Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and, of course, recruiting. Now, here's your host, Husker Online publisher, Sean Callahan. Hello, and welcome again to another edition of Husker Online. Um, Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, later will be joined by Abby Barmore, and uh, quarterback Casey Thompson joins me here on the show as well. And, and you were taping still a little bit later in the week. We've been doing this the last few weeks because of news. And I think, Robin, after this week, we'll be back in the clear to tape a day earlier uh, to push the show out. I know a lot of people like to get on Wednesdays if we can, uh, taping here on Thursday afternoon, but um, want to get right to kind of the opening headlines of the week. Uh, Nebraska closed very strongly. They got quarterback Chubba Purdy from Florida State. Um, after his official visit, he picked Nebraska over Oklahoma. Uh, they got junior college running back Anthony Grant from New Mexico Military, um, who was the junior college national player of the year. And they got former Alabama commit Javier Morton from Garden City Community College um, to come in as well. So a very strong close, and a lot of new people have moved to Lincoln this week. There are 16 newcomers between high school, junior college, and transfer portal additions to this Nebraska roster. That is the most ever. Uh, last year there was 14 because of COVID. A lot of guys graduated high school mm-hmm. early. Mm-hmm. Uh, 16 is now the record, um, and it, it's been quite a, a finish for Nebraska. Yeah, and again, I think you kind of sum – that all up with what they did with the coaching staff. Uh, this has been about as successful of an offseason for Scott Frost as you probably could have imagined, uh, considering the circumstances he and this program were in. Uh, coming out of last season, they had a lot of work to do and a lot of really important uh, hirings and additions that needed to be made. And um, overall, I mean, obviously, we'll, we'll wait to see what happens once they actually take the field. But uh, on paper, uh, I don't know if you could have asked for a much better job with uh, being able to make the most of uh, the situation at hand, bring in the best possible people um, to the staff, to the roster that, you know, have kind of brought back some life into the program a little bit to where I think there's uh, coming off maybe the the biggest feeling of pessimism we've had around Nebraska football in a long time, you know, suddenly now people are starting to look at 22 in a di- little bit different light because of the job that that Scott and and his staff and and the University of Nebraska have done to to kind of resurge uh, their football program. You're listening here to the Husker Online show as we talk additions and you know, when Adrian Martinez went into the transfer portal um, the week after the season ended, Nebraska had not hired Mark Whipple yet. You really didn't know where this was all going to go. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it was kind of one of those all-in gambles. You basically told Adrian Martinez, we're bringing in somebody else. Well, you didn't have a coordinator yet, and you didn't have somebody else yet. And you had to really kind of bank on yourself and bet on yourself there. Well, they get Mark Whipple, and not only is Mark Whipple able to get Casey Thompson, he's able to get Chubba Purdy. And in this portal era, that is really unheard of to basically get yeah. two four-star quarterbacks to transfer on a roster that already has three scholarship quarterbacks. And credit Mark Whipple. He talked to Casey Thompson every single day he was in the portal. He talked to Chubba Purdy, I believe, almost every single day since he's been in the portal. And just that extra effort, that relationship building he was able to sell this plan and get both of these guys to come. Well, for their two respective situations, it kind of couldn't have worked out much better. For one, with with Thompson, he can come in and, I mean, I guess there's there's still competition to be had, but I think most would predict him as the clear front runner right now for the starting job. And, you know, if that all works out, he'll be a one-and-done quarterback that uh, can you know, hopefully help Nebraska get back on track, and then they turn it over to a quarterback that's been in the program for a whole year, who's learned the offense, practiced, uh, been around um, his teammates, developed some chemistry with the staff and and with with the rest of the team, and then also get a chance to to continue to rehab that injury that he had um, at Florida State. So I mean, I think it's a kind of a, a win-win scenario for both those guys to where 
Chubba's in a situation where he is a top priority quarterback, but doesn't have to come in and be the guy right away that he can spend a year, um, you know, kind of just acclimating to Nebraska, to the system and, and the staff while letting Chase Thompson come in and be uh, the day one guy and make the most of his situation as well. Yeah. And, and then you have uh, Richard Torres, you have Heinrich Harburg and Logan Smothers. So, um, there are going to be five guys going through spring. Now, I don't expect Richard Torres to do anything this spring. He's coming off a knee injury, uh, but the other guys will obviously be available. You know, something Casey Thompson is going to have to get officially cleared is his thumb injury. He played the whole year with it, but um, wanted to wait to get an MRI done here uh, with Nebraska's doctors and just wants to get, you know, another look at it to make sure all is good because that thumb injury did affect his year. Um, so that is something just to keep on the back burner, um, no question. Now let's talk about misses in the portal. Uh, Nebraska thought they had Javier, Jade, Silvera. They were in on him, a Miami um, defensive tackle. Ends up going to Arizona State, um, and that would have been a really, really nice Damian Daniels replacement, a guy mm-hmm. that's played 1,200 snaps of football. And they also, I think, kind of struck out on the offensive line. I mean, Kevin Williams and Hunter Anthony, you know, quality additions, but I don't look at those as – Big Ten program-changing additions. Yeah, they're not the guys that automatically plug and start from from day one, and you know you're making a significant upgrade. Now, can they be upgraded? Sure. Uh, you know, I think that they both have that potential, considering uh, where Nebraska's offensive line was last season. So, you know, at least they at least added some depth and some more bodies to to compete and give themselves some more options. But yeah, there's not that bona fide, you know, no-brainer starter that's that's going to upgrade everything about the offensive line. And, and I think the defensive tackle, um, that, that nose tackle position especially, uh, that was something I thought that they would really try to go after um, and that missing uh, at the end there. Uh, I think that, that was a, a big blow because that really would have put the exclamation point on this transfer portal class in terms of upgrading pretty much every position of need you could look at on the roster. They would have done it had they been able to address the offensive line better and, and maybe got another uh, you know nose tackle uh, addition. As it sits today, Nebraska, um, you know, has added, you know, a large group of players, 16 on campus now. So uh, things are moving and uh, we've got a handle on this roster now going into the spring. And I wanted to bring in Abby Barmore as a uh, Nebraska volleyball coach, John Cook. Abby uh, got some very good news, at least the first step of some good news to come. Uh, Kayla Caffey coming back for her seventh year of eligibility, potentially uh, what do you know on this? What are your What are your thoughts on what this potentially means for the 2022 Nebraska volleyball team? Well, first of all, this is a, a big deal for Nebraska. They had Lauren Stiverance, who graduated after her sixth year, and then they had um, Callie Schwarzenbach, who's also a middle. She transferred out. So Kayla is by far the most experienced person. She will be their number one person, hopefully if this waiver gets granted. She um, – transferred from Missouri but her freshman year she didn't play and then in 2018 she had like a medical hardship so she's only played four seasons technically to at Nebraska so she's applying for her fifth there's a lot of players that played in in their fifth year last year because of COVID as we know so um, Nebraska also for they have two freshman middles coming in and then they have um, a player from Superior Nebraska who she has played in 11 games in her two years at Nebraska so she doesn't really have any experience at all so it's a really big it's really important for Kathy to come back because she is going to lead this group if this waiver is granted and then potentially um well the Riley Gray another middle she announced that she is medically retiring today on Thursday yeah so then Nebraska can potentially pick up a transfer which would be big for them, especially because they don't have many much experience at all. And I would think they could get, I mean, with just everything here, and I know you can't use NIL like as part of the transfer recruiting process, but I think it can, you know, word can get out to a transfer. Like these are the NIL opportunities at a place like Nebraska. And that, that to me would play a big factor. I know a lot of people have their eye on Caitlin Hoard. She played at Penn State. She was a middle blocker and mm. she's in the transfer portal right now. And she is she's a big time player. I don't know if she'll come to Nebraska truly, but she's staying at Penn State through the spring to finish her degree. So she's kind of like waiting on that. She could potentially stay at Penn State with the new coach. 
So we'll see, but that would be a big get for Nebraska if they could figure that out. Well, much more to come here on the Husker Online Show as uh, we are going to hear from Casey Thompson. Unfortunately, Nebraska basketball is on a COVID break, and we'll talk to Robin later in the show about that and take questions in the mailbag. Uh, much more to come. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Hi, it's Sean Callahan with Husker Online. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones and see what we find. Learn more at uscellular.com slash built for us. This is huskeronline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett. I want to talk about some Memorial Stadium improvements in the survey with Robin. Uh, but before we get to that, this segment of the show is brought to you by Tanner's Sports Bar and Grill, 30th and Yankee Hill Road, Robin. I was in at Tanner's on Saturday. So actually saw Jake Sorensen, um, proud uh, host of one of our affiliates, 93.7 The Ticket in Lincoln, in there watching some NFL football. My wife and I just stopped in there to catch the uh, – secretly we were actually waiting for our kids to fall asleep so we can get home because we went to dinner so early. But um, <laughs> Played some Keno. Watched uh, some of the uh, the night game on Saturday night, and you know it's another doubleheader on Saturday and a doubleheader on Sunday with NFL football. Uh, so you want to get into Tanner Sports Bar and Grill, 30th in Yankee Hill. Great wings, cold drinks, Kino. Um, it is your spot to go uh, to watch all the NFL playoff action and all the basketball that's going on right now. Unfortunately, not Nebraska basketball this weekend, but uh, plenty of other college basketball action. But Robin. Uh, a survey went out to 200,000 people. Um, I got one, obviously, because any, anybody that's basically been a ticket holder in Nebraska received these surveys. It says it takes about 15 minutes to fill out. It probably takes a little longer than 15. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Cliff Notes version of this survey is, I'm expecting some pretty big changes to Memorial Stadium. The question is when? Um, but you know, I think everything's on the table from reduced capacity um, to more luxurious seating. I think you're going to see the West Stadium where the current athletes eat, that kind of be turned into potentially a almost a, a club where you pay an initiation fee and monthly dues. And it's a place that you might be able to go to watch games regardless, like a, a road game or home game or any Husker game. Um, so, the, I mean, there's so many things on the table. Um, and Trev Alberts, you can tell, is really – trying to put his stamp on this and do it the right way. Well, I mean, pretty much everything you listed there is are either things that need to be done or should be done in order to keep Nebraska up to pace with uh, the evolution of fan experience at not just Nebraska football games, but sports in general. Um, the days of getting people to sit on wooden plank benches crammed together uh, for four hours are dwindling by the day uh, because of just the, the nature of people don't want to do it anymore. It's too much of a pain. Um, and then especially when you're not winning, you got to find ways to encourage people to to come to games and make their experience, especially when you're shelling out that much money, you're devoting that much time to, to parking and you know doing the whole thing, uh, getting in and out of town, all that stuff. You got to make it a little bit more worth their while. And so Fan experienced upgrades, I think, are uh, critical for for Nebraska and really everyone else. And the Memorial Stadium is is lacking in a lot of areas with that. You know, whether it be, I know, obviously, selling beer is a, a huge part of the conversation, but it goes beyond that. Where just more comfortable seating, more uh, just places e- to hang out, easier access to bathrooms, you know, that sort of stuff. I mean, just just make it a more of a deal where you know it's it's not an inconvenience for you to come to the game. It's a it's a, a experience that you enjoy. Yeah, and I'll tell you, my eyes, Robin, were really opened. I went to a couple of San Francisco 49ers Oh, yeah, games, those pro stadiums are insane. Uh, with our good friend Scott, um, and he's a huge Niners fan. And, you know, the first game we had tickets, like, you know, we were able there, – there was like a restaurant, and mm-hmm. we it came with – he won some sort of deal with, with his uh, credit card points. And, you know, it came with access to a restaurant that had, like, top shelf like everything all you can eat all you can drink food like seafood crab everything and you know the nfl you know they play double headers well we got there and we watched the entire first game in the stadium 
in this place with food and drink. And then we went up to our seats and watched the game we were there for. I mean, it just was an experience, you know. And um, the other game that we went to, there were special sections, I noticed, on the 50-yard line. If you were in this one section, it was like the platinum section or, you know, something like that. And you were able to go downstairs and you had your own private bar and food for the entire game. Mm-hmm. And you could watch the the earlier games in that bar or you could even after the game was over when the Niners went to the Super Bowl, um you know they they had champagne in there. I mean just they really made an experience and I'm saying to myself, "Man, this sure beats Twist Off Diet Pepsi's and box pizza on a bench seat." Yeah, and so I mean, it's a little unfair to compare the pro stadium experience to college, but I mean, just look around the Big Ten right now. I mean, the the upgrades we've seen at some of these other stadiums, where, uh, I mean, f- just the the variety of concessions that you have in the, in the concourses, and uh, you know, the again, the the ability to to go go buy beer or whatever it is, like that's that's the kind of stuff that you know a lot of even like high profile Big Ten schools, the Ohio States, you know, the the um, you know, Michigan State's all those are, are kind of taking that step to where they're trying to find new ways to draw fans to games because like I said it's not just a matter of Nebraska football not winning enough it's it's a matter of you know them keeping pace with everybody else and just the kind of societal change that we have where uh, there's just asking too much I think of fans to continue to go through that that game day experience uh, without adding a little more uh, amenities and perks to the process. One of the questions I got a kick out of is what three things would you like to be have served in the stadium that aren't now? And it was like barbecue, tacos, Mm -hmm. um, Philly steak sandwiches. Uh, Just, you know, I think they're trying to They've got to do it. Yes. And that's, again, like you go and walking through any of those other, there's like fast food stations and stuff like that, or like a, you know. Like a Michigan State. Like like I I had chickens and all that sort of stuff. I had like a pita bowl. You know, I I walked around the concourse at Michigan State and I found like, oh, this is a unique stand. I'm going to go to this one. Like Iowa has a local burrito chain that you can go and like get a, a, like a Chipotle style burrito that, you know, I mean, I think those are the things that everybody else is already doing. And Nebraska needs to go beyond just having, you know, Runza's and Val's pizza as, as as much as people enjoy that, you got to have more options. And the other thing uh, that's interesting is seat donations. Um, I think one of the ideas being floated is to eliminate kind of the we're grandfathered in because my family's had these tickets since 1960 and we don't have to pay a donation or we have to pay a very, very minimal donation. Like, so let's say, you know, you should be paying like $3,000 a seat. You're only paying like $200 or something really low. I think they're going to blow that model up and there's just going to be a complete stadium receipt. Then it would lower the overall donations down um, and then maybe even allow more people to get access to good seats. Because I do think that's one of the biggest complaints people have is, A, it's really hard to get access to good seats Mm -hmm. because of the donation setup. And then people like have these tickets and they're never going to let go of them. And then the ones that do come up because these people obviously have a lock on these seats, it raises the prices up um, so high that it's really not attainable for folks to, to necessarily get, you know, quality seats at Nebraska games. Right. Well, and if you're going to do things like add more luxury stuff to the, the, the lower bowl or whatever you want to call it. Uh, I mean, I think that that's stuff that you have to do. You can't just, you know, you've always had these seats. Therefore you get instant access to these, you know, new, you know, high top dollar, uh, you know, sections of the stadium. And I also wonder too, this is kind of a, a side subject, but you know, what, what happens with the student section and how much of a priority that becomes with this whole renovation of the, the layout of Memorial stadium, do they continue to get, you know, kind of stuffed in the corner or do they, become more of a, a focal point of, of the stadium and, and do like every other Big Ten school does where they get, you know, prime seating, uh, you know, whether it's the entire back of the end zone or maybe even some parts of the, the sideline, whatever it may be. I think Nebraska's student section has by far the worst setup of any Big Ten stadium that we've been to. And I think that's something that, you know, if you want to have a greater, greater energy in there, it starts with the students. All right, when we come back, Abby Barmore is going to join us on the show. We're going to take your questions in the mailbag. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Abby Barmore joining you here as we're going to take some questions in the mailbag. Before we get to that, Robin, uh, this segment is brought to you by the 2022 Aer Lingus Classic in Dublin, Ireland, as Nebraska will take on Northwestern. It's the first game of the 2022 college football season. The first time we'll get to see Casey Thompson, maybe Chubba Purdy, oh, no. Anthony Grant, all of these 16 newcomers, a new punter, Brian Buccini. Um, but a new coaching staff new, on offense. A new coaching staff on <laughs> offense. So if there wasn't already incentive to want to go to Dublin, Ireland to watch Nebraska, uh, there's a lot of reasons that you want to see what this Nebraska football team looks like, but um, still plenty of time to get things lined up. Visit the website, huskers2ireland.com, as they've got multiple packages available still, um, depending on how many days you want to be in Dublin you or, or in Ireland for that matter. You can do a one, two, or three-city tour. Uh, they also now have options to buy flights um, to get you to Dublin. and uh, So lots of things to look at here as Nebraska gets ready to play in Ireland, and single game tickets are about to be released. Could be by the end of January here. That's something to stay tuned on as if you're not locked into uh, a game package, uh, there will be an opportunity to buy your own tickets. Um, and I know that's something a lot of people listening have been curious. And so check out the website, huskers2ireland.com. But let's get to the mailbag. Abby Barmore, what do you have to lead us off with? Is it possible all five scholarship quarterbacks stay after the spring? If not, who's most likely to transfer? Well, I, I think that's kind of a tough thing uh, to say um, until we see things play out. I mean, I think we've been down this road, um, you know, so many times that, and you don't know who's going to come out of it. But I mean, I think Casey and Chubb are we know are going to be here. Uh, Torres is out with a knee. Uh, Heiner Carberg's a local guy. I think Smothers is the one that a lot of people gravitate towards. Uh, but Logan's a competitor, too, and he wants to be at Nebraska. I mean, I, I pose this question, Robin. Could you, if he's not the guy, could you create special wildcat deals with him to run and do things to kind of be a, a change-up guy at times? Clearly they have it in the playbook with Luke McCaffrey. I mean, they found ways to get him involved, and to, in some degree it worked really well. Uh, I think when he was a complementary piece to this offense, he was an X factor. I mean, that, that first game of the 2020 season – against Ohio State. I mean, he, he had some big-time plays that all of a sudden you're you're starting to get excited about the potential of his role. So, sure, I think that's on the table. Um, but, again, you got to wonder if you're, if you're Logan Smothers, is that the route you want to take if your dream of being playing quarterback might not necessarily uh, lead, the way, lead to the point you wanted at Nebraska? All right, what do you have next, Abby? The departure of Will Honus hurts the depth within the inside linebacker group. In your opinion, who is the next man up in that rotation? You know, that's a great question because um, Chris Kalarovic, you, you would think is, but he might actually move to that JoJo Dolman, mm. you know, Sam Nickel role that JoJo had been playing. Um, so that's something to watch. Uh, Garrett Snodgrass, I think, is another one. And uh, Magua Clemens. Clements. Um, you know, those are probably the likely people today. Um, yeah, the, the Honus deal, I wouldn't downplay that. I, the staff wasn't expecting it. In fact, they fought for him to get his seventh year. It's unfortunate he waited so long because, you know, if they would have been able to have some time, you know, you could have been able to go out and find find a, a 6'2 inside linebacker fairly easily in the portal. Uh, but now we're too late down the road um, to get a guy at least for spring ball. Well, and Kalarvik was by far their next most experienced guy after those top two. And so you take him out of that equation at a different spot. The drop-off is significant between Reimer, Henrich, and everybody else. So I think they like the potential of uh, Malcolm Clemens and uh, Snodgrass, but they've hardly played or at least played you know real meaningful snaps. So uh, that's, that's going to be a major storyline to watch is kind of what shakes out with that depth because as we've seen year in, year out, you need depth at that position. You can't rely on just two guys to play every snap because guys, unfortunately, get hurt at that position in particular. How do you think the running back room is going to stack up this year, and who are your top three? Well, I think going in, you know, Ramir Johnson and Gabe Irvin at least theoretically have the leg up, but you've got a new coach, a new line coach, a new offensive coordinator. So a lot of new, a lot of fresh eyes, a lot of new opinions. 
Um, Anthony Grant, I think, is going to get a great opportunity. He comes in actually with the best season of anybody. He was the JUCO Player of the Year um, and led New Mexico Military Institute to the national title. Um, so we'll see kind of where all this goes. Jack Wesleyant, Marquis Step. Um, I, I think the way the season ended, a lot of people have kind of, you know, not put them up there. I mean, Step's just not been what we thought because of the injury he came mm-hmm. with, and Jack Wesleyant you know, left the left uh, to go back to Florida for a few days at the end of the season and kind of caused quite a bit of behind-the-scenes drama. So um, I think Anthony Grant's kind of someone I'm going to watch real closely. Well, and with Irvin, too, I mean, your expectation is he's not going to participate in spring or at least probably be, be very not. limited? I mean, probably not. I mean, it's, those are... So that's, that's a factor in itself. I mean, that's going to put him almost a full year from uh, playing, playing in a game. And so, obviously... He was had as high as potential as anybody in that room last year, but that's a long layoff, and you just got to wonder what he's going to be coming off that injury. Well, and Anthony Grant, they're from the same high school, Gabe and Anthony. Anthony Grant was a senior when Gabe Irvin was a freshman. So quite a wow. bit of difference in age when you compare the two guys. Um, so, yeah, I'll be – they might have fell into something pretty significant um, with, with uh, Anthony Grant. At this point, do you think adding a quality defensive lineman is more important than adding an offensive lineman? No. I think they probably still would like to get a starting offensive lineman type body if they could. And they might have to wait now till May or June. Yeah. And that's the one one thing you got to keep in mind is just because they're not here from the spring doesn't mean they can't make additions on that front. So uh, the transfer portal, I'm sure, is going to get a whole new batch of uh, talent infused with it. After spring ball, after the the depth charts are kind of a little bit more cleared up, and so that that is still very much on the table. And yeah, I think that they could still stand to upgrade just the overall talent of that offensive line, just just given how bad they were a year ago. Taking your questions here in the mailbag, got time for about two more with Abby. What do you have, Abby? Any updates on Javen Wright, and are you expecting him to be able to be to play this spring? And who is behind Isaac Gifford if he's not up? Well, J- Javon Wright or Javon Wright, um, you know, left with a uh, personal medical deal last oh, a year. Scary deal, and you know, it's really hard to say where that's all going to go and what his availability will be. Uh, Buddha, as they call him, is a tough kid, been through a lot. Um, so yeah, Isaac Gifford. You know, I think Chris Kalarvik's name's been mentioned as somebody in that role. Um, some of the newcomers, you know, could you know could potentially be in that nickel role as well. Um, so I, I think there's a lot of flexibility. I think what we got to realize is you're not going to replace Jojo Doman. I mean, no. I don't know if there's a lot of. I don't, I don't think know. there's one guy that can do what he. No, did. I mean the fine Jojo Doman. You're probably just going to have a nickelback. Yeah, like that. That was and an outside linebacker. You're not going to uh, have the guy that can do everything. I mean, Nebraska didn't even know they had Jojo Doman. It, nope. it just kind of had to happen the way it did, and. You know, he, he earned what he got and kind of made that role what it is. Yeah, so the idea that there's going to be just the next JoJo, I don't think that's the way of thinking you need to go about it. I think you're going to have your, your nickels that are going to sub in for obvious passing downs. Then you're going to have your Kalarovic types that are going to be your more traditional early down outside linebackers that can still give you something in coverage. All right, final question. What is your favorite Zach Taylor story? Oh, boy. Um, lots of stories with Zach. I mean... I can still remember breaking the story that he got his offer from Nebraska. This was pre-Twitter, so you actually had to really break stuff back then, you know, and kids didn't tweet it out. And a lot of people were in disbelief because they thought Harrison Beck was the guy. And Bill Callahan and Jay Norvell particularly went out and looked for a guy like Zach Taylor. They got him here. I'll never forget Zach's first spring in the spring of 05. Uh, You know, back then – Bill Callahan, when there was actually a quarterback competition, he took the green jerseys off quarterbacks. They went live in the spring. And I'll never forget this scrimmage. Every you know Saturday, you'd have a big scrimmage in the spring, and they would let us watch that stuff back then. Nebraska went 180 plays in a scrimmage live. 180 plays. And it was a three-and-a-half-hour scrimmage. And the media got to watch. Zach Taylor was battling the flu. And he got sacked like at least six times. Jay Moore himself, big old Jay Moore, sacked Zach Taylor like three or four times in this scrimmage on the ground. Hits, like legit hits. And that that's what I'll remember about Zach is how he kept standing up and up mm-hmm. and up and never backed down. And you saw it in that Alamo Bowl against Michigan, same type of deal. 
Nebraska had no business being that Michigan team. I mean, that was like an NFL farm team, essentially. And yeah, ne- they were loaded. And Nebraska beat Michigan because Zach Taylor was tough, and Corey Ross ran hard that day too. But, um, yeah, just his toughness and his character. Um, you know, Zach, Zach is just one of the most down-to-earth human beings. I mean, he still has the same cell phone number that he had back when I knew him come, coming out of junior college. I mean, he's just a really simple guy. Yeah, and so – I guess first off, the on the field, his toughness is what defined him. Uh, I mean, that's that story, that scrimmage. You could go point to any number of games that he played where he was just getting drilled, like hits that would probably be illegal now with the way they protect quarterbacks better. Uh, but he always got up and he always just kind of brushed it off. Didn't you know yell at his lineman or anything like that? He just got back in the huddle and ran the next play. And I think that was probably what what really made him such a great leader on the field. But going back to his character that what stands out to me uh is just how genuinely nice of a dude he is and was i remember i was in 2005 i was a writing for the daily nebraska as a student student writer i was a nobody you know whatever and i was able to get him for a a one-on-one for a feature store i was writing probably during that that same spring uh and you know he here's the quarterback at nebraska whatever and i'm just some college nobody and he i goes hey uh zach i'm I'm robin oh hey robin how you doing man like he knew my name before i even got to introduce myself so that's the kind of guy that 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 moment always stuck with me when i think about zach taylor was like he was the first nebraska high profile player that knew who i was as some scrub college writer abby true or false you knew about zach taylor as a husker like before last year did you ever follow i mean you're young yes uh well, I don't want to age you, but in 2005, <laughs> I was like seven. Right. That's what but I'm saying. Like, <laughs> I, I definitely remember him, and he was like one of my – so I've loved football for a long, long time. And he was like one of my like first little posters as a kid, and he had like signed it through like a church thing. And I remember that from when I was little. Yeah, he was just a great guy. I mean, people – they were so close in 2006. I know. They played the Big 12 title game in, Oklahoma, in, in, in Arrowhead Kansas Stadium. City. 60,000 Nebraska fans were there on the coldest night you could ever imagine, ready to see Nebraska win a Big 12 title against arguably maybe the worst Oklahoma team that won a Big 12 title, and they choked. And that was a tough moment because if Zach wins that game in 06, you know. He was the Big 12 Offensive Player, player of the Year. Over they, Colt McCoy. Yeah, people, people, people forget that. Over Chase just, Daniel. It, he just shows, like, I mean, that was back when the Big 12 was putting up, like, ridiculous numbers. I mean, so, like, to be the Offensive Player of the Year of that conference in that period of time says a whole lot. Well, they'd lost to Texas by Terrence Nunn fumbling. Um, they blew, like, a 17-point lead at Oklahoma State that year. USC was, like, legitimately the team that beat him, obviously, on that schedule when he was quarterbacking Nebraska. And you could argue that Cotton Bowl, you know, they were up 14-3 to in Auburn and ended up losing 17-14. So um, his career was so close to, like, really being a breakthrough career and it just uh, didn't happen. But uh, we can talk old school stuff all day, every day, mm-hmm. Robin, but we've got to get back. Uh, Casey Thompson's going to join me next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, as I teased earlier, had a chance to have the first interview with Nebraska quarterback transfer Casey Thompson earlier this week. If you weren't able uh, to hear or see the entire interview on our YouTube channel or other social channels, we've got the full interview downloaded now on our podcast channel as well as right now, we're going to share just a piece of that interview here. Here's more with me and Casey Thompson. First of all, Casey, welcome to Nebraska. I know you just got here. Uh, you, you just got moved in. Was it yesterday? Yes, sir. I just I just got here. Um, yesterday was my first full day, and today was my second. So uh, I've been running around doing testing meetings uh, with football and academics. Um, so I just came from there and uh, just got seated. So, but yeah, it's. It's fun to be in Nebraska, and uh, like I said, I'm excited for the opportunity. Well, yeah, let's get into the the process for you because you know this today was probably the first time you've got to meet a lot of people in person. Yeah. Um, you had to come up here and kind of do your own drive around tour of Lincoln, um, mm-hmm. and then you committed to Nebraska. You've obviously talked to the coaches, uh, but what was the process like for you uh, to become a commit to Nebraska, and then obviously getting to see people and meet people today for the first time? Um. The process uh, for me, you know, it started 
uh, really it started right after the season ended. So week 12, we played around Thanksgiving. And then uh, I took about two weeks to, you know, kind of reflect on the season and evaluate some film. And then uh, I kind of had a list of schools that I put together and uh, Nebraska being one of them, um, you know, and then months uh, I saw that Adrian Martinez, you know, confirmed that he was transferring out. And uh, I figured that Nebraska would be an option that would be on the table. So um, I, uh, I decided to uh, put my name in the portal and basically see what was out there. And uh, I've talked to Nebraska every day since then. Uh, I entered on December 16th, uh, right after signing day, of course. And um, Nebraska and I have talked uh, pretty much every day uh, through the whole process. I've talked to Coach Frost and I've talked to Mark Whipple and uh, really, I think Mark Whipple and his passing game, uh, his offense and his experience, uh, you know, his what he did with Kenny Pickett uh, at Pitt. And, you know, he's worked with Ben Roethlisberger, so he has some, uh, you know, pro pass concepts. And then Scott Frost uh, has a great run uh, run game, and I like his um, offense as well. And, um, you know, I've had, familiar, I've had familiarity with uh, Scott Frost. He recruited me back at UCF, and uh, I actually followed him when I was a kid. I was a huge fan of his offense uh, from Oregon, so that's kind of what led to my decision and then obviously the quarterback situation. Yeah, and you grew up the son of an Oklahoma Sooner. You were the starting quarterback at Texas. Do you have any idea what that means in Nebraska? Because uh, before Nebraska joined the Big Ten, obviously uh, those were the two rivals of Nebraska, Oklahoma and Texas, and and uh, you're, you're coming now into Lincoln as a Husker. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's a lot of people have actually messaged me and asked me about, like, you know what? I bet you Casey Thompson's dad, Charles, is throwing a fit right now uh, with Casey picking Oklahoma's rival schools, Texas and Nebraska. But uh, honestly, it's um, these are situations and uh, it's a situation that fell on my lap and uh, it was almost too good to turn down. And so, you know, sometimes you don't know where life will take you. And uh, I'm just blessed and fortunate to be in the position. And I think that um, you just have to really look at it from a business and opportunity uh, perspective instead of like, you know, just the logos and say, hey, uh, growing up as a kid, if someone told me you're going to grow up in Oklahoma City and you're going to play for Texas and Nebraska, I would have been like, you're crazy. But uh, here we are, and uh, I'm excited. Well, let's talk about Mark Whipple because uh, it feels like he played a big factor in this for you. Uh, what did you like about Mark Whipple? What, what really intrigued you about his offense as you started to study really particularly what he's done over his career, but even this past year uh, at Pittsburgh where they won the ACC? Uh, yeah, I've, I actually didn't know a whole lot about him until I started to do a lot of my film study. But uh, I I watched uh, Kenny Pickett over the last two seasons, uh, obviously not knowing uh, you know who Mark Whipple, Mark Whipple was or what he was about. And then once his name started to emerge, um, I started to watch – uh, their film and their pass attempts. And uh, this past season, 2021, he was top three, um, you know, top three quarterback in the country. And Mark Whipple had a top three offense. Um, at Pitt, they had Kenny Pickett was in the Heisman race. They also had uh, Addison, the wide receiver, won the Blitnikoff Award. And so it's an offense that spreads the ball around. And uh, for me, I was very interested because uh, they threw the ball, you know, up to 55 to 60 times in one game. And then um, the the least amount of pass attempts that they had was 28. And so 28 to 60 pass attempts as a quarterback is obviously that's amazing. And so um, that's what attracted me to Mark Whipple. And then just, um, you know, doing my research on him and kind of talking to him. Uh, you know, he's all about football. He's real old school and uh, he's really to the point. And I, I definitely appreciate that about him. So we're talking with new Nebraska quarterback recruit Casey Thompson from Texas, came from the transfer portal. Uh, has two years of eligibility. This interview is brought to you by Sandhills Global and powered by ABM. If you have equipment to sell, sell it at auctiontime.com. Um, Casey, you know, talking about the transfer portal, when when you went into the portal, especially as a high-profile guy, a former four-star recruit, um, a Texas starting quarterback, what was it like for you? I mean, how overwhelming and how many teams came out of the woodwork? Uh, give us an idea of just kind of what that process was like and Besides Nebraska, who are the the other teams that really seem to be pretty serious about you? Um, I mean, like I said, once, you know, going into the transfer portal obviously is a big step, you know, and uh, you have to make that decision knowing that you may not be able to uh, return to your current team, most likely are not going to return. And so you know that you're open to transfer. And so that was the biggest step for me. Um, but once I made that decision, um, I just, I took, 
my mindset was I was going to make a decision uh, and commit somewhere after New Year's, kind of in the first week of January after the bowl games. So that was my timeline all along. Um, you know, so in the middle of December, I decided to, I said, hey, I'm going to take the first two weeks, uh, enjoy Christmas with my family, travel a little bit, get on the phone with some coaches, get on the Zoom calls, uh, get to know some people and do my research and be able to film, uh, you know, study some film. And then uh, after the first two weeks, there were like, you know, 20 to 30 schools that had reached out. But like I said, I kind of had a list um, in the back of my mind and, and I wrote them down and Nebraska was one of those schools. Um, I think for me throughout the whole process, you know, being in college four years, playing for, you know, two to three different offensive coordinators and three head coaches. Um, and uh, this being, you know, the fourth offense that I'll have to learn. I've definitely learned a lot as a person, uh, as a player. But most importantly, I've learned a lot about the business of college football, uh, a lot of the things that people don't get to see behind closed doors. And being in the transfer portal as a quarterback in this day and age is really crazy. Uh, just talking to some of the quarterbacks around the country, like Spencer Rattler, Kayla Williams, uh, I talked to Dylan Gabriel, I called Adrian Martinez. You know, these are quarterbacks that I've picked up the phone and talked to myself and kind of just hearing what the coaches are all telling us is sometimes it matches up and sometimes it doesn't, you know, but there's a lot of stuff that people don't know that goes on behind closed doors. And, just to keep the integrity and, and be professional about it. I try not to, you know, say too much about what goes on in these programs, but it's been a lot. So you've actually talked to Adrian Martinez, Ebert. Yeah, I, I called him as soon as I went in the portal and then I called him. <laughs> I, it's not hard. <laughs> I contacted uh, someone who I knew that went to Nebraska, a student, and I said, what's Adrian's number? And they said, why? And I was like, we have to talk about football. And then uh, sometimes I'll just go on Instagram and contact one of these players, you know, usually I, I have a prior relationship with a lot of quarterbacks around the country, uh, whether that be college or NFL. But for Adrian, I had I had not talked to him in a few years. Uh, we we're in the same grad class coming out of high school, so I kind of knew who he was from the camp circuit. But, yeah, I just reached out to a student at Nebraska and said, what's Adrian's number? And then I texted him, and he called me, and we talked for a long time. And I talked to people who also went to Nebraska as well uh, in the past. So do you guys kind of say, okay, where are you going? Where are you going? Like, this is what I'm like, you guys have to, because it, it is strategy. You got to find the right fit. And yeah, a pretty good pool but, of guys this year. Yeah. And I would say most people are respectful, but not everybody's your friend. So you have to be careful about, Hey, where are you going? I'm thinking about going to these schools. What are they t like? You can't always ask that. I just simply said, Hey, you know, good luck. And I told them that, um, that I was interested in Nebraska. And I said, I've asked every player that has played here in the last few years, I say, what do you like about Nebraska and what do you not like? You know, what did you like about the coaching staff? What do you not like about the state? What do you not like about the campus? What do you like about it? You know, what are the pros and cons? Because I don't know. And uh, Adrian told me, he said, uh, he said, it's a good school, really good fan base. Uh, he said it was just time for him to move on. He, he needed a fresh start. Um, and then he said that that's all it was for him, but he had nothing bad to say about Nebraska. And then uh, I picked up the phone and called a few of my other friends who played here as well, uh, just to make sure, you know, everything um, was good and it matches up with what the coaches are telling me. And then uh, I knew that Adrian also was a grad student like me. So I actually asked him about, you know, some of the courses that he took at Nebraska because I'm interested in getting my MBA, uh, Master's of Business. And that's actually what I've been doing all day today. I've been sitting down with the academic staff trying to figure out if I want to get into a Master's of Business or like a, a master's of science um, because my credit my credit hours from UT uh, some of them transfer over to Nebraska and some don't so I've been kind of dealing with that all day you know speaking of former Huskers you'd played for Tim Beck at Texas I believe he was involved in recruiting you at um, Tom Herman that did you talk to Tim Beck at all or anything about Nebraska since he was here for seven years yes when I first entered the portal I basically you know, schools were calling me and texting me because I put my phone number down as a contact information. Uh, next time I'll just probably put my email. But uh, coaches were contacting me and, and went to Nebraska, reached out. I just, I called Coach Beck because Tim Beck was here for, I don't know, five to 10 years in the 2000s. And uh, he coached here and we talked about Nebraska for hours on the phone um, during my process of trying to pick a school. And then last week, uh, once I or two weeks ago, once I committed, he called me and was telling me, "Here's where you need to eat. Here are the coaches." <laughs> Just telling me everything about Nebraska, people that I needed to get acquainted with, and the places I needed to eat. And um, so he he really liked it. I've um, I've heard a lot about Nebraska over the years from my dad, obviously 
um, him playing against Nebraska in the OU versus Nebraska rivalry. He played in the game of the century, 1987, number one versus number two team. So my dad's told me a lot about Nebraska. And uh, he has former, uh, he has players that were former, uh, friends that were former players here. And uh, my dad actually is very close with Mickey Joseph, the wide receivers coach here in Nebraska, who also played quarterback at Nebraska in the 90s. And, uh, and so that's kind of where this all came about. And thanks again to Casey Thompson for joining me this week as I had a chance to talk with him. We'll close the show with some basketball talk with Robin Washett next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Robin Washett. As we talked at the top of the show, Robin, 2020 is back, it feels like. Um, I guess 2021, because that was when the Nebraska basketball team had their issues with COVID. Well, here we are in 2022. Kind of the same deal. Um, Nebraska not going to play Saturday with um, COVID issues in their program, and they play again Tuesday. Is that right? Yeah, right now scheduled to play at home against Wisconsin for a 8 o'clock tip on Tuesday, the 25th. So, yeah, it will be interesting to see kind of what comes out of this. I mean, from what you've seen, Robin, when teams have been on COVID shutdowns, is it usually two games? I mean, what's kind of the, the norm? It depends on how the schedule's lined up. Um, you know, and like when Ohio State went through it, it was their non-con slate, so there was a lot more flexibility there where they could just, you know, slap some games together and, and just kind of – figure it out it's different with big 10 you know because you're obligated to play those 20 league games and it's just a matter of you know where they can fit it on your schedule and, and how many games you're you're ultimately going to miss um you know for nebraska to be under that seven available player threshold that the big 10 kind of set uh that says that this is a pretty widespread deal going through the program right now it's just a matter of you know how long it's going to take these guys to not only test positive but also you know get over whatever potential symptoms they might have to be ready to play a, a full Big Ten basketball game again. So I would definitely keep an eye on that Wisconsin game. Um, you know, that is a fairly short turnaround for as many positives as, as Nebraska is dealing with right now that, you know, it would not surprise me if that game also isn't moved to a later date later this season. Well, and you kind of put the numbers in perspective. I mean, I, I just think it was Wednesday. Lancaster County had 1,000 confirmed positives yeah. alone. And I it's mean, going all through Nebraska's athletic department, through the university, and obviously through the, the county that, um, you know. Just they, think about that. The a positive thou- numbers are insane. 1,000 right confirmed positives, you know, and that's one out of 300 people, you know, when there's 300,000 people in, a, in the county of Lancaster. So, um, it it's everywhere right now, and it, it, it you know it, I think I think the hope is that we're going to suffer through our week or two here, and hopefully this will start to really get behind us because it's not like you can hopefully once you get it, I don't think you're going to get it again. So hopefully everyone that's getting it is going to you know be able to push forward through this, and and we'll never have to go through this again. Yeah, and again, this is not a Nebraska problem; it's a <laughs> world problem. World problem, uh, let alone sports. So. You know, like I said, that the team that just got postponed for this game, Ohio State, they they just went through this. And when they actually played Nebraska in Lincoln uh, on January 2nd, that was their first game since December 15th. So they almost went two full weeks without playing a game because of their COVID shutdown. So, you know, again, it's it's one of those deals where at least they've made it a, a little bit more easier to reschedule these games. But, I mean, you look at now at this point in the schedule there are very few extended breaks or extended gaps in nebraska's schedule so i mean you're potentially looking at them you know having to play back-to-back road games i think there's a window between the road game at penn state and then their season regular season finale at wisconsin february 28th to march 6th that i would not surprise me if they have to go on the road again and have three straight road games sandwiched in that week just to try to make one of these up something that we don't know robin um if it is a home game you know, obviously they try to make it up, but I assume the school then has to reimburse the season ticket holders um, for the game that didn't get to happen. Yeah, I know with some games, they say hold on to your tickets. Um, I know with some of the women shut down, they, but then again, that was a non conference play, so it's a little different. So it wouldn't surprise me if, like, maybe they just say if you had tickets to this game just and you want to go when it's eventually made up, just those tickets will be good for that. Um, that's probably the best way to do it, but, you know, certainly people that aren't going to be able to make that game, especially if they're out of town. So it's, 
it's definitely a unfortunate deal for for everyone involved around you know Nebraska and, and any other program dealing with this stuff. Well, right the now. women's program, uh, I mean, they they were really shorthanded at Iowa. Yeah, they Ale- just got shut down on Wednesday, I believe. Alexis Markowski, you know, kind of almost had to carry them, and they almost pulled off the win in Iowa shorthanded, but then they did get shut down for the Rutgers game. Yeah, and like there's several other sports within Nebraska right now, like the, the rifle team and, and those types of things that are also currently on pause right now because of their own COVID outbreak. So it's it's literally going through the entire athletic department right now. and The whole city. Yeah, the whole city. So uh, it was probably inevitable that this was going to happen. It was just a matter of when it was going to happen. Well, Robin, let's briefly hit on just kind of what we saw the last week. Indiana game, uh, 5 o'clock game on Martin Luther King Day. Um, you know, it, it, it was a, there were moments where, you know, it just looked like it was working. But once again, Nebraska just kind of was one 50-50 ball short there or one stop short or one jumper short of kind of pulling this thing out. Yeah, I mean, just add it to the list of games that when it came down to the biggest moments, Nebraska couldn't make the biggest plays. And, and I guess it's encouraging that they're still playing that amount of winning minutes uh against a you know i guess uh yeah a superior opponent and they they had a chance in the final minutes to, to to pull that one out but again it just comes down to other teams in the big 10 have veteran guys that have won in nebraska right now they they have older guys but they haven't won a lot and they certainly haven't won together so i think that's probably the biggest thing right now is nebraska's ability to not only uh, have guys that are capable of stepping up in those moments but capable of doing it uh, together as a team and working with each other to grind through those critical points in games that that ultimately define wins and losses. So uh, the return of Trey McGowns was a really big deal uh, in that regard. When you talk about those 50-50 plays, those winning plays that don't always show up in the box score, whether it's diving for loose balls or uh, pestering the other team's best player uh, on the perimeter, those are the types of things that Trey immediately brought to the table. And as he continues to reacclimate himself physically, gets his legs back under him, his lungs back uh, to where they were before the injury, uh, he's going to be uh, a huge part in any chance Nebraska has at, at finishing this season with some positive momentum. Well, yeah, there's going to be a lot to uh, follow here as Nebraska – um, you know, unknown when they'll return back to the court. As we know here on Thursday, though, they're not playing this weekend and their game Tuesday, right, Robin? It's Tuesday? Tuesday. A home game. Um, Against Wisconsin at 8 o'clock. That, again, I would I would keep an eye on that one. That that one might not be on the schedule for, for much longer. And they'd probably make that call by Sunday? You would think, but, again, we've seen games canceled well, an hour before tip-off, so we'll see. All right. Well, much to follow as uh, lots more interviews, uh, exclusive content interviews that we'll have on Husker Online with different players. Robin will keep you up to date on basketball. Abby's on top of the volleyball news. Make sure you log on to HuskerOnline.com. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.